Vrai Media, I am Stefan Coritar and this is Tech Talk, the podcast where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry and the way the tech business works. I have conversations about technology, innovation, people and life around tech businesses and communities with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. On this episode, I talk to Luis Havriluk. Luis is an entrepreneur who founded Simbound the first educational digital marketing simulation platform and the best European edtech startup in 2018. He believes in small projects that have a big impact and he holds international experience working on projects together with the best business schools in Europe, Asia and Africa. While building the future of business education with the help of new technology, he is a big believer that quality education is the key to a better life and he strives to contribute to a better society in Romania, his native country. He is now living in Cluj-Napoca heart of Transylvania and is always up for a friendly match of tennis. To listen more of Tech Talks shows, subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to review the show if you like what you learned. Enjoy my talk with Luis. Hello, Luis, and welcome to Tech Talk. Hi, Stefan. Thank you for having me. Luis, before I kind of pick your brain around Simbound, um, I just want to ask you how many times, if you had the opportunity, like the context, right? How many times did you had like a Simba joke with Simbound? Because you know Simba the lion from Disney. So <laughs> Simba, yeah. Um, remember who you are, right? Exactly. Um, actually, I, I it's only one person which which managed to figure this out throughout the the whole lifetime of the history. You know, to make this joke. Okay. Actually, my mother, who. Who said, "Oh, Simba on the Lion King"? I love that cartoon. You know, when I was little, I used to watch it uh, many times, or you know, yeah. day after day. Uh, but weirdly, I, ha- I haven't thought about it until many years after you know Simba was founded. <laughs> that it kind of had the same. Uh, I, I I guess uh, I guess Simba comes from simulation and and uh, and bound, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, but right. um, yeah, but uh, I, when I was you know doing my. Uh, Kind of prepping uh, for the for the for the conversation, I was thinking like Sim Simba, oh the lion. <laughs> yeah, but it was I cool. I said, that. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack this joke at the beginning. <laughs> it's a nice one, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really good cartoon, actually. Yeah, there's like a lot that. of lessons for for startups and <laughs> tech people, even correctly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool, Luis. Um, to kick it off nicely and smooth, I. Uh, I just want to ask you, what is Simbound? Okay, so Simbound is a web application. It's a website which allows uh, people to learn about digital marketing. And we use a host of different materials, right, of different tools. Mostly it's simulations. So this means that you actually have a chance to set up your website or an ad campaign, for example. And then you would see how this would perform, you know, using... uh, different kind of uh, tools or results that the simulation produces. So it's a risk-free way of learning. You don't, you don't have to spend any money while mm-hmm. you're doing this. Uh, you're not risking somebody's brand. You don't have a client which is breathing down your neck saying, okay, I want this result by uh, you know, next Monday. It's just a, a risk-free way of learning about digital marketing. We also have some game elements inside the platform. So stuff like rankings and, uh, you know, surprises and bonuses. So all of this make 
uh, engaging learning experience, which mm -hmm. allows anybody, you know, to practice and to get the skills and the confidence they need to perform in today's, you know, fast-changing marketing uh, landscape. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I mean, you're super on point with that. I mean, the digital marketing landscape today is so so busy. And there are so many tools, so many information coming out every single day. But I think always uh, around digital marketing, there's always some some fundamental things and theories that are applied, right? And then you come, okay, you have all those, uh, you know, uh, things like growth hacking coming on top, which are super cool and you know are combined with tech and so on. But before going into like more detailed conversation, I just want to ask you some something else is. Like um, if if I remember correctly, you said that Simbound was uh, born, created around 2011, 2012. We could say you were early in the market. Very early, maybe a bit too early. I think uh, because uh, at the time, you know, even universities, which in the meantime have become our our main clients, you know, our main. Uh, mm -hmm customer segment, they were still not ready. They didn't have any sort of formal learning programs, uh, you know, prepared for students. I mean, not even the big companies, you know, the big digital marketing companies recognized the value of uh, educating, you know, their user base at the time. Yeah, they had some tutorials and they held some workshops every now and then, but mm -hmm. it was not... Uh, it was not something mainstream. I mean, if you knew about digital marketing, most likely you were already working in digital marketing or you were learning from somebody who, who is doing digital marketing. In an uh, international and company. <laughs> exactly. And, and you didn't think about the educational aspect too much because it was a hot market. It, there, there was a big demand for professionals. And whether you knew things or not about this, you would quickly get hired, you would most likely get a portfolio of clients to work on, you know, to create ads for and, and so on. So the industry moved very fast at the time and it still is very dynamic. Now, uh, yeah, regarding the timing in 2012 when we had Simba, you know, the first version, yeah, we were a bit too early <laughs> in the sense that uh, the market for educational services, you know, for digital marketing was not well developed. In fact, I think we, we contributed a lot to the, to the creation and growth of this market with the release of this product. Yeah, usually the, the frontliners or the first in the market. Um, so being first in the market is really, it comes with a lot of weight uh, and cost. So even uh, discussing uh, recently in one of the uh, webinars that we hold at Startup Grind is that being the first in market comes with a, re a huge cost and you know, you're burning money, money much more um, and also being in the early days with you know, things like education of the customer segment, navigating some really tough waters, not knowing what exactly is going to be your niche and stuff like that. So yeah, so I, I agree. But I'm curious, where did the idea came from? That was being in the early days, where did the idea came from? So um, the idea came from using a different kind of simulation product. So it's a bit of lateral thinking, you know, lateral innovation. Mm -hmm. I've seen a uh, business simulation. I've actually used the business simulation from a company in Finland. They're called Sesim. And I'm always going to be grateful and I always recommend their products. They're, they're really cool at tech products. What's the actually. name? Uh, CESIM. So th this is C-E-S-I-M from Corporate Executive Simulations, mm -hmm. CESIM.com. 
So I've uh, I've played one of their games when I was doing my masters. You know, it's, it's kind of like this uh, story that starts in school, you know, and then it grows to to a real product and to a real company. I've played their uh, simulation. I've used their simulation while I was doing my masters in Leeds in the in the UK in England, and uh, I was absolutely impressed by the quality of the whole learning experience and how I could actually apply what you know I was learning in school. To a, to a gamified context. And um, this is where I got the idea from. Of course, in the beginning, I didn't know what to do exactly, you know, whether I would go into a different industry or not. But then I saw this uh, digital, you know, behemoth that, that was growing, you know, which was the, the likes of uh, Google and, and other companies. And I saw, okay, these guys clearly need more, more of these kind of instructional resources around them and people need to learn better about how to promote their business and how to grow their, uh, you know, audience. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was the logical next step for business, you know, going into the digital world and creating this kind of, as I said, risk-free solution for somebody to try, uh, you know, to promote their products and services online. I was doing digital marketing myself at the time. And most of the times I struggled with explaining to clients what, you know, what kind of results we, we can expect or what, how the budgets work or, you know, how targeting works. Uh, a lot of people had really unrealistic expectations of this channel, which was still in its infancy in Romania. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought, that, okay, if they invest whatever, 500 uh, euros a month in marketing, they're going to become millionaires or something like that. I, I of, and, and these were big companies, you know, they were not some hopefuls, some people like uh, which barely, you know, uh, had, a, had a small business or something. These were big companies which had unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. So half of the job at the time was actually discussing with clients and making sure that they understand what we're going to do for them. And then the other half of the job was the actual execution and, and reporting. Mm -hmm. um, this, of course, has changed in the meantime. Now, I think there is a bigger uh let's say understanding you know better understanding of the whole digital landscape and how things work how they can work in your favor or you know against you if you're not on the <laughs> on the right side of the the fence in the meantime i think it, it is really important that even the big companies have realized the importance of education and they have in, invested a lot now the, the landscape is completely different actually we are competing against them you know on, on many uh, aspects of the of the educational experience but again this is this is exciting it's an exciting market it's always growing it, there's always going to be a need for uh, education in this space and we are happy to to know that we have pioneered you know one of the let's say subdomains of, of this educational uh, field what is what is super funny and we're talking about you know digital marketing and communications and you being a, a, a startup in the ed tech industry what is really funny that you know, and it's funny because i i come to meet this type of situations and context with so many founders from from the romanian market and and that and what i want to say is that even even with the fact that simbound was launched in 2012 there is not so many, you know, news or not so many PR points in in history of that uh, of, of you know of um, the evolution of you know Simbound since we're talking about Simbound, but it could be even other tech startup from from Romania. There are so um, 
few moments of communication happening in the in the media industry that are mentioning the you know the like the key milestones that each startup like kind of gets to right so there are so so few of them um and i think you know because this idea came from what you were saying the fact that not a lot of companies or people know about you but again it comes to even depends on what kind of need you have right so but you are in edtech right and edtech can be hard at sometimes um, oh, yeah. building a, <laughs> building <laughs> a startup a, it's a super difficult industry <laughs> Uh, building a startup over there but um, could you say like what are some interesting differentiators f- uh, from from like other tech industries um i think one of the main and, and most important things when you're doing ed tech as compared to you know other other sort of domains which now are in full swing you know um it, it's really hard not just from the adoption part you know where you have to promote and sell your products that is very difficult as well but also from you know from the execution part when you have to build the product i mean just think about it in order to teach somebody something you have to first understand it so that can take you know a while mm-hmm. after that you you need to think about i mean i'm just talking in very sort of like common you know uh, chunks of of wisdom here um you have to build that knowledge into something which is useful which can be reused and which is approachable you know something which is easy to to work with that is not always easy because everybody else i mean every one of us has have their own learning preferences their own learning life uh, you know uh, kind of style and then what 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 are you doing you know can you cater to a lot of people with with just one method or do you have to adapt you know there is this trend called adaptive learning where the technology is actually honing into your uh, level of skill and and your competence and actually it's teaching you just the stuff that you need to know and ai plays a big part in this uh, development mm-hmm. instead of giving you access to all the materials or you know going through all the reading you just focus the, the machine knows where you should focus your attention on and then it revises with you the points that uh, you know the the system knows that you are weaker so let's say they do an evaluation after the lesson and they see that you have not you know gotten some points or what you were learning from and then it comes back to those sections in the content and it says okay look let's have another look let's give it another try um you know all these things are super complex once you once you get into the to the details of it and they're only going to get more complex I, I'm telling you that I believe that edtech is going to to be uh, one of the most uh, fast-growing domains in in tech in the future, and the really good companies are not those which we think they they, they will be. So these are not going to be like classic publishers or these companies which right now have a huge market share. You know, they're putting out stuff like textbooks and courses. They don't really get this digital stuff. Uh, most of mm-hmm. them. Uh, it's going to be new startups. It's going to be new methods which uh, will prevail, and just the fact that they understand technology better and they address uh, uh, an audience which is already accustomed with technology. Right? Every young every young person today is uh, fully immersed. I mean, most of them at least are, are fully immersed in this uh, digital uh, world. I think that's where the innovation is going to come from: from smaller companies and from companies which have a unique vision. 
Now, of course, the challenge of executing that in a, in a myriad of updates and in, in an environment where things can change so fast, you know, today it's this technology, tomorrow it could be something else. How do you navigate that with limited resources, which presumably every startup, you know, works on, at least in the beginning? Do you see Simbound over there in the top 10? Uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I think we are already in, a, in, in the top in a way. Um, mm -hmm. When when we look at you know the milestones and the presence and what we are doing right now, uh, I don't think there is any similar company you know which which can compare and which have done things the the, the way we have done things. Mm -hmm. There are others, of course. I'm not going to say we are the only ones which have appeared in the meantime, but they don't have the same uh, let's say tenure. They don't have the same way of of uh, doing things mm -hmm. and. You know, clients appreciate that. They see the authenticity. They see the, the fact that we invest time and resources in building a better product, in building a, a quality experience for them and for their, uh, you know, end users. And this is something which gets appreciated time after time. I mean, we have clients which have been with us for eight years, ever since the company has been started. Wow. That says a lot, you know. As yeah. long as you can keep your clients, that is a very good metric for success. Yeah. And... As we all know, it's much harder to gain new clients than to keep those you, you have already. Uh, keeping, keeping the churn as low as possible is crucial. <laughs> Do you think it's important, I'm, I'm, I've been listening really carefully to what you were saying. Do you think it was important for you to cater how you were building the business and the product to the needs of your, your customer? You said universities at the beginning. Yeah. Um... Of course, I mean, this is crucial. If, if you don't get this right, if you don't know who you're building for and what, what you need to build, then your chances of success are going to approach zero fast. Mm -hmm. You have to study the way they work. You have to understand what they need. You have to understand their, their competence level, right? Their skills level. You cannot build a complicated product for uh, users which have basic skills. The same way you cannot uh, sell a, a basic product to, to somebody which has complex needs. Yeah. You have to really be uh, uh, tuned in to the amount of, let's say, complexity that is required by your client. If you can execute on that and if the experience, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect, of course, but if the experience comes close to what they expect and it delivers time after time, that's it, you know, you, you're in the, the right spot. You, you've managed to gain a client and, and a loyal customer for many years on end. They will not switch. Even if somebody else comes, even with something slightly better, they will say, okay, we are used to this. We have been going strong on a journey together. Uh, we know the details of this product, of this company. Uh, maybe we get a bit of uh, reduction you know, in price because we, we've supported them from, from the beginning. Yeah. This is the way things are done. You know? it, it's because even last night I was listening to the, to the uh, show with, uh, with Sergio Birish. And uh, there you were saying about, um, well, you were talking about many different things, you know, but also this churn and then the relationships and how they differ from one region to the other. And that here in Romania or Europe, we tend to say that we are sort of friends, you know, when we're doing business. <laughs> and uh, in other places, I think you mentioned about yeah. Gary, Gary, Gary. That's, you don't have to be friends in order to do business with me. Uh, I think both are fine, you know, so we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we are open to both. We, we can be friends if you want, you know, as a client, or we can just give you the service and you pay for it. And that's fine as well. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, of course, I mean, culturally we are 
uh, a multiple, I mean, I don't know, I, I think a multiple is a good word. We are uh, uh, multiple cultures on this planet, right? Um, cultures, big cultures, niche cultures, right? And I think it's just a way of how, you know, things operate in certain cultures. If this works in, in the uh, US-based uh, culture, American culture, to have maybe more transactional type of business, that's great. If not, you know, uh, we definitely over here, Eastern Europeans prefer more, let's get to know each other, let's see. <laughs> it's, about, it's about building trust, you know. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, um, there's two things which come into play here, you know, speed. So what is the speed you're running at? If you're, if you're running at the high speed, then maybe you don't have time to, to sit down with every one of your suppliers and say, okay, look, we're going to buy some services from you. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go for a coffee? No, if, if, you, if, they're not, if they're not performing well, you're just going to pick another supplier. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas if you have limited resources, you want to get to know the person better, you know, maybe you depend. It's a crucial kind of supplier for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's worthwhile. Actually, it's a good strategy to, yeah. to get to know them a bit better. I think it depends very much on the type of business you're building and the business model you have. Because if we're looking at listening to you, if we're looking at uh, software as a service uh, companies, right, you can easily just buy a package like a monthly subscription. And if you don't have the budget the next month or the next year, if you, I don't know, find a new SaaS platform that it's better for you, it fits, it's, and has different functionalities or better functionalities, you can always switch. And what we're seeing is that all the SaaS companies, beyond being just, you know, just a, when you uh, hit that nail that you have, you know, uh, a certain uh, a certain budget that it's, you know, it's ready to, to be scalable, right? You have everything put in place in terms of infrastructure. Now let's scale the product. What we can see also in the SaaS, SaaS marketplaces is that they are starting to put focus on building trust, customer success management, you know, being close to the client so we, you don't leave, right? And we're going to go, we're going back to the churn part, to keep the churn, churn percentage as low as possible, right? That's, that's something which you, you can never do too well, you know, customer service and, and being able to, to understand and be there for your customer. But at the same time, you know, I have to go to, to the other uh, camp, let's say that of the customers. Don't be so fooled, you know, of, about these companies which have invested a lot in this customer care aspect mm -hmm. as opposed to investing in their products or in doing uh, whatever else needs to be done because that, that is also a big, uh, I would say, caveat, you know, to fall into when, when you're buying stuff from, from companies. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's the quality of the product or the service that matters and not so much the customer care. You know, if I get five emails a day asking how am I and if the product is okay, and the product is not okay, yeah. then <laughs> I don't care about customer care. <laughs> exactly. As simple as that. Yeah. Um, Luis, I just want to go back uh, to some, some things that I, I want to ask you uh, around Simbound and how you do things around uh, inside the platform. Could you tell me how does, you know, digital marketing simulation work? Like, can you walk me through that process? I don't know. I'm a student. Uh, what do I do? What can I do over there? Okay. So I'm just going to say like a general outline now. Of yeah. course, this differs from, from course to course and from you know, activity to activity. Now, it is assumed that you have already went through a theoretical course, so you know the, the main concepts, right, which you're going mm -hmm. to use in the simulation. So we cater to an audience which 
has uh, already begun their, their their learning journey in this uh, you know field. We don't work with novices, you know, with with people which are completely new to this because I feel that on the internet you right now you have a lot of resources which you can read, which you, videos you know you can watch on YouTube or other platforms, and then you can basically just learn a lot just from there. Uh, where I found, and you were asking before, like where the idea came from, this is another source where, where the idea came from. Uh, where I found there is a lack of, let's say, uh, materials and, and opportunities to learn is when you have to apply that knowledge, which are two different things. One thing is to know things. One, mm -hmm. one, one, there's a, it's a different other thing to, to know how to use those things, that, that information. And that's where, the, the, where, where I saw there is a big uh, gap to be filled. And simulation is, is a perfect tool for this because it allows you to use the knowledge that you have, as I said, from reading books or videos and to apply that in a realistic environment. So mm -hmm. when you go in, you already know how a website works. You already know what are the success criteria for an ads campaign, right? Mm -hmm. You need to set a budget. You need to set a cost per click. You need to have a creative. You need to know which market to target on. When you know all of this, it becomes much more easier and you feel that you are actually progressing at a fast rate as compared to when you were just reading stuff or watching videos. Mm -hmm. So before anything, you have to plan your activity. This is useful, not just in uh, learning, but in any kind of situation. So you need to plan, okay, what products am I going to sell in the simulation and on which markets? So you have a, we have a small tool called the, the planner, which, which allows you to do just that. You make estimates of your sales and then you see how these... If, if these will sort of like uh, match with your actual performance later on. Mm -hmm. And then you start building your, uh, your plan into real assets, right? Real marketing assets, which for now, they, they're just sitting in the simulation. So you have websites with products, with descriptions, with prices. Uh, you have the opportunity to send out emails, you know, to this, you know, virtual, let's say, fictitious kind of customer group. And then the simulation sends you back results. It's giving you feedback on how you're doing, how well you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions I, I, I get asked sometimes is if this predicts, you know, if I have a real company and I put my data into the simulation, will I get close to, to similar sort of <laughs> results in the real life? And the answer to that is always going to be no, because uh, there's many more factors in the real, you know, digital marketing landscape that, that, that we have in the simulation. So this is just for learning, right? It's just for prototyping, let's say, your uh, initial digital marketing strategy. Uh, at the end of the simulation, let's say you've done all of these things, uh, you know, what you should have is a clear understanding of the way each and every channel that you've used interacts with each, with each other. Sometimes something which a lot of novices, a lot of people new to this market, they, they don't get. Uh, they don't get how a website and the quality of a website, you know, a landing page influences uh, the quality or the results of an ad campaign. Yeah, there's two there's there's two different channels here, but actually they talk to each other. And when people clicking clicking on your ads get to your web page, and if the web page doesn't look good, then it's already going to be a, a bit of a problem because you're going to be missing out on clients, and then you're paying for those ads uh, more than you should. Yeah. Uh, another thing which, which is useful for, or at least we expect uh, students to, to understand is how to collaborate, you know, how to work as a team on all of these things, because let's face it, oh, even nice. if you're, even if you have these websites or, or campaigns in real life, 
there's nobody who, who can do all of them well. You know, mm -hmm. you need a graphic designer, you need a marketer, you need somebody which is doing sales, you need somebody which is doing copywriting. All of these things are different roles and nobody has taught us, you know, anywhere at school or, or in sometimes not even at the workplace, how to work together, how to do stuff together, which is creative and, you know, to, to get results. Uh, this is this is another thing which uh, we've seen people improve at by the end of the simulation. And then at the end, you have the skill set and the confidence to go and approach real projects. You know, you know what you're looking for. You know the right metrics to 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 keep an eye out for once you're launching these campaigns and you're spending money, you know, on a real advertising platform. So in a sense, what we're doing is we're sending better prepared professionals into the industry of digital marketing. And we've been doing this since 2012. I think well over, I don't know, maybe 25,000 by now people have used our app in order to, to learn. It doesn't sound like too much, you know, we're not into the millions of, of users. Uh, but when you think about it, digital marketing compared to other marketing domains, okay, it's been growing lately, but still it's not like a mainstream channel, you know, it's not like TV or, or uh, other kind of marketing channels which still get in most countries you know the best the, the, the most share you know of attention and, and budgets it's super interesting did marketing agencies approach you i mean there's so many good tools and so many good things that you have built in and um and the approach you you have on on, on digital marketing is that i see like a good really good fit with digital marketing agencies haven't they reached out to you Yes, they have. Uh, we've had some uh, projects together with uh, some digital marketing agencies. These were from Canada and Greece and, and some other countries. And what they saw was the potential for them was to use this tool as a recruiting sort of, you know, like a way to filter out candidates to say, okay, we're going to uh, send this out to 50 people and the best five people or the best 10 people are going to end up working with us you know, either as interns or, or full-time position. Um, agencies are, are, let's say, more focused on getting new clients and on building their client portfolio and making sure that they stick to that. They rarely invest in, in tools which, you know, help them manage their workforce and so on. Um, yeah, because they're, they're performance-oriented, you know, they get rewards but for, for the number of clients and, and so on that they get. They, they don't really understand the value of having a well-trained workforce. And anyway, they say at some point, simulation is not enough anymore. You have to go into the real thing and you have to sort of like show what kind of results your campaign produces, you know, using a real client, using real products, using a real market and so on. Yeah. So I think, I think still it's going to be tied to, to the educational space more than other industries, more than other uh, sectors, you know, for, for some time being. But of course, things can change and we're actually exploring, you know, all the time. We are looking at new ways of, of getting into different markets, you know, not just the educational one. Yeah, because it, this is super cool because um, listening to you, I, I've, you know, made some notes over here. I mean, you have things like, you know, you step into workflows, then, you know, being a, like a student, I'm putting myself in a, in a student position. So I'm thinking, okay, I will learn all the workflows. I will learn the dynamics of that workflow and the industry of marketing. I will learn to collaborate. And within collaborate, I'm thinking I'm going to learn how to identify the needs of a copywriter, the needs of a designer, right? Stuff like that. Or, you know, and overall you get like a, get a, 
a blueprint of what it means to work in a digital marketing, you know, operations, right? So that's yeah. that, that's super I, useful. I couldn't have put it uh, better myself, you know. So that's what you get exactly. You, you get the 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 method, you know, on, on how to approach any kind of project in the future. And I can tell you, students love it. You know, like they're really waiting for this to to come. You know, during the the academic year, the feedback that we get is almost always uh, 100% positive. Of course, as I said, there's different learning life uh, styles and not everybody, you know, appreciates when, when they have to deal with many different concepts yeah. at a time. But uh, most of them, they're really happy and they enjoy taking part in this uh, experience. And we even have some which want to contribute, you know, to his development. It's, it's not a big number, you know, it's maybe a few, few percentages there from, from the whole uh, class, from the whole course. Mm -hmm. But they, they understand the value and they appreciate the fact that somebody has built something for them, you know, in order to, to help them learn. So... Yeah, that's the kind of, of legacy we are we are leaving behind now with uh, with the tool and what we are doing in terms of the experience and the results we are generating. That's super nice because I think um, you know by going through such an experience, you build something that it's maybe the old structures of learning will not do or maybe are not doing anymore, and that is confidence, right? Confidence yeah. in students that whenever they finish this and step into the real world operations of digital marketing, you will know what, what, you know, what kind of KPI you have to hit, what, what does that sp specific KPI mean? How do you uh -huh. measure it and stuff like that? That's exactly. super nice. That's super nice. Exactly. Going back to like over maybe some, some, some business, some business uh, stuff that I would like to ask you. Uh, okay. I'm interested. Oh, business time. <laughs> Um, it's no, no, no. I, it's kind of you know uh, maybe a general. I know you are a bootstrap startup. Um, That's correct. Yeah. yeah, we've we've not gotten any investment. We don't have any anybody sponsoring or sustaining us other than you know the work that we are doing for for our clients. And this is another thing which makes Simbound, I think, uh, a unique company in the space mm -hmm. because if you look at well, not just edtech but a lot of other domains. It's really difficult to build a sustainable company without outside funding. Yeah. You know, it is it is really excruciatingly hard to to find the resources, and we didn't have too much too much resources to start with, which makes it even even more of a of an interesting story, I think, for anybody which uh, which wants to you know know how to build their own business, how to grow their own customer base. So all all of that we we've obtained was through commercial uh, success you know based yeah. on the product itself and on the on the relationships that we've built with uh, clients and collaborators i mean our success is really their success in a way because they've they've been uh, bold enough right to to risk their uh, <laughs> sometimes their jobs you know their position their good standing in, inside of an institution or a, yeah. or a university to say okay we're going to adopt this we're going to use it Mm -hmm. uh, and let's see what happens. So, yes, we are bootstrapped, and uh, we we are doing just well as as we are right now. Okay. Well, well, actually, my question was, what made you decide to not go after investment? What what I want to say actually is, um, with this question, we don't have so many entrepreneurs or founders like you have. And when I say that, I way I say that from a mindset perspective. I mean. Um, there's not so many people that are thinking like legacy-based driven 
entrepreneurship or impact driven entrepreneurship or commercial driven entrepreneurship where um, our success is their success and you know vice versa so these this is a really interesting conversation because it's it comes out from the mindset that you had right and the mindset that you had led you to a kind of cash flow positive company i assume mm-hmm. right yeah yeah of course we've we've generated a quite a healthy profit even even this uh, year is going to be quite good compared to other years so that is that is super interesting because you as a founder looking at these these you know treats in the mindset that you have i'm i'm just you know i'm just brainstorming right now <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they didn't lead you to go fundraising right so what made you not go after an investment or are you postponing it um well this this question is is always you know a difficult one when when you're talking about investment and you know having people or you know companies or whatever venture capital funds enter the structure of your business uh things are going to change you know for sure it, it, wh- whoever thinks that after investment they'll be the same company is is really daydreaming i have not met one single company which has done the same uh after they've received an investment Mm-hmm. And the the way I see it, at least, and this is just a personal perspective, is is it worth it? You know, like do do the advantages outweigh the, the disadvantages? So you're getting extra funding. Maybe you have a more uh, peaceful state of mind. You know, you can experiment more. You can travel more, or whatever the money is being used. You can hire more people. You know, so people are less um, stressed. Let's say about work. Uh, but is it worth it? You're going to lose shares in your company. You're going to lose uh, your voice. You know, when when you have somebody else, if, especially if it's going to be a majority stakeholder in the company, uh, will your voice still matter? Will you be able to direct the company in the same direction and in the same manner that you did until until then? And the answer to that for me was always no. So the the disadvantages were outweighing the the possible advantages. Plus, I've seen that investing culture is always this kind of uh, aggressive kind of, I don't know, let's do business. We're going to put some money in, but then in two years, we're going to have to take it back at you know double the rate or something like this. I don't really see these things as sustainable. I think the whole investing culture that we have in Romania and maybe in, in all of the Western world is stemmed by the fact that the internet allowed for a lot of business models to grow very fast. So mm-hmm. it opened up a new market essentially. Mm-hmm. And then whoever was fastest, you know, whoever had the most resources to execute on, on a particular business model or on a particular technology was in most cases, the winner, you know, the, the, the one sitting at the top of the market share chart. And I don't think this, this is healthy for, for more than one reason. And I don't think I, I'm okay. It's a different perspective. As I said, it's just my own view. I've seen good companies and I've heard about good companies which got ruined because of, you know, yeah. venture capital or, yeah. or whatever outside investors. And okay, maybe the founders, you know, their, their owners had a decent exit, you know, a decent payout. And, um, you know, they managed to maybe build some other companies after that. But the company, like the, the, the thing which was initially valuable 
disappeared. Nobody knows about it anymore. And it brought value. You know, that value has been taken off the market, rebundled or completely sort of like taken off the shelf. And now there is a void which we have to use as consumers, which is not really the same thing. And this, in a way, you know, stifles innovation. It, it doesn't lead to more choice. It leads to less choice. And then you have worse performing products which are in the market just because they are the only alternatives you can go to. Mm -hmm. And obviously, these are going to be the ones which <laughs> have, have the most money and, and you know, the, the best brands. And this is, from my perspective at least, I don't think this, is, this, this can happen. And when we were talking about EdTech and how it differs, I think EdTech is a bit different in this aspect as opposed to other, uh, you know, industries. You can have companies in EdTech which uh, don't take financing, and Simbond is, is a great example, and they're still doing good. They're still, uh, you know, growing and, and developing and building stuff, and people are happy, you know, when they use it. Whereas maybe in other industries where there is a high sort of investor presence, you know, the, the number of companies where which get investment is higher, you know, as a percentage, then maybe not investing is a really bad decision. <laughs> you know, not getting investment to your company is a really bad decision because then you're going to be at some point, you're going to be left out of the, of the race. Mm -hmm. But in this one, in this uh, ed tech field, I think it's not a success factor. There, there are companies which have billions you know, in investment, they are ed tech companies. And frankly, we don't even hear about them or there's, there's a lot of room on the market for any kind of concept, be it small or, or big. And it is not, as I see it, I don't think investment really is a, is a key thing to consider when you're building an ed tech company. I agree, I agree. Although I, I agree, like I said before, uh, hitting the record button, I agree there's a, uh, always a 50-50 to it. And um, I mean, you know, you can get um, a good strategic, smart investment into the company, a co an investment that doesn't, you know, ruin or destroy, like you said, the, you know, the shareholder uh, voice, uh, the shareholder structure and, and their voice. So, um, but I also do believe that, um, and at least that's how I see it as well, that EdTech is a very, let's say, impact and sustainable driven business. I mean, it's hard yeah. to penetrate some, some you know, uh, you're always going to have some intersection of universities, schools, um, you know, or even with the layer of education as a whole. Education is meant to be, uh, you know, across generations. Uh, and... Um, within that you have to make it sustainable and think long term right so um i don't think uh, edtech could be i think it's uh, it's it's a very atypical um type of edtech or you know tech startup <laughs> <laughs> oh for sure for sure we, we've gotten that before so <laughs> you know but uh, coming back to the digital marketing uh, simulation uh, games and courses uh, did you or did your clients use, you know, Simbound to build out a strategy and then later on go on building it or implementing it into the real world? At least, you know, getting some kind of inspiration or see how it would work and then taking the responsibility or the, and the accountability to go implement that. Um, this, this, this question I cannot answer like um, 
truly because I don't know what a lot of people are doing after they're using Simbound. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm okay. missing that data, you know. Uh, a lot of them end up working in the industry, you know, some, with some of them, I, I keep in touch, you know, on social networks or whatever. And I see that they get hired by these uh, big companies. So for sure, they are working in, in you know, that's in a super cool field. metric. Uh, what? Sorry. That's a super cool metric. You know, uh, when yeah, somebody, yeah. when somebody that uh, get, uh, goes out, um, out of Simbound, you know, uh, learning mechanisms and get hired, gets hired by her by you know a successful company that's a cool thing yeah they're managing some really big budgets i can tell you that much for for like this big retailer or luxury groups mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some of them and the, the weird thing is that <laughs> they stood out even in the simulation you know they were so active and so well uh responding to, to what was happening there uh, is that this is how we actually came to to you know became become let's say friends again you know over these uh, social networks become connections and when I see that they're working for like uh, Louis Vuitton and, and this kind of, you know, immense companies, gigantic companies, then I know that at least a part of it, I'm not going to say all of it, but a, a part of it was, was also the contribution of, of Simbound and how they managed to, you know, look at the digital landscape. Um, of course, they get inspiration. I mean, another reason why we built Simbound was to show people that well, basically, you, you, you have a lot of possibilities. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You don't have to follow these, let's say, uh, whatever case studies or, or industry, whatever norms, industry standards. You have to carve your own way, you know, into the, into the digital landscape of marketing, of business or whatever. So the way you, you know, do that is... Okay, you have to know what, what are the tools of the trade, what are the, the platforms or, on, on which you can do that. Uh, how how do the markets react? So how do what is the customer preference for for any of these tools or whatever you are selling there? And then try to think, try to conjure right a strategy or or something up which is unique to you, which takes into uh, advantage your your own uh, sort of like strength, mm-hmm. and try to. Put that out in, in the most beautiful way possible, in the most uh, efficient, uh, in, in the most efficient way possible, so that everybody understands who you are, what you're doing, and what you stand for. And if you can do that, success is going to be much closer, you know, in terms of, of the results that you're going to get, as opposed to saying that okay, we've looked at some research or this is the way they did it at the other company and i'm going to do it no each situation is different each day is different you know seize the day and and try to to make the best out of it Mm -hmm. but this is a mindset this is not we're not talking about knowledge we are talking about attitude yeah yeah And, and this is something we also wanted to instill into our users and i hope and i think at least i as i said i cannot prove this but i think a lot of them have managed to get this message as well and they've gone into Many different industries, you know, like esports, luxury, uh, retail, these high moving, high, high velocity industries where you need to know how to sell. <laughs> Selling is everything, you know, in, in, in some domains. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't know how you do your, your, you know, your marketing <laughs> for Silbound, mm. but I would definitely use that as a, as a, you know, showcasing even, even to, even to, selling to you know if your you know buying persona is the universities even to them uh you know selling the fact that look 
the you know the x number of students from the other universities that have went through simbound um have you know ended up working from like you said louis vuitton um big retailers and so on and i think that's a very very big like a vouching factor like a stamp right so i think that yeah. would be i know if you if you do it already if you do it that's great no <laughs> we, we we're quite humble you <laughs> know like uh, we you we shouldn't. let the we let the results uh, you know speak for themselves and yeah, this is a bit of a paradox. We are a digital marketing education company, but we're not doing so much digital marketing ourselves, mostly because we're we really busy. <laughs> mostly because we're really busy, you know, doing the, the educational aspect of it. Then so. Definitely, we should talk. I mean, these kind of things and nuances and information that you have can really be uh, built in into, you know, case studies and a lot of content driven communication. Oh yeah, we're also open for business. You know, we're also always open to collaborate and to, to get. That's the, great. Okay, we're gonna have a conversation after this. <laughs> um, we're living in super interesting times, right? Um, this pandemic got us really tired, maybe a burnout, right? Yeah. Um, some you can easily get burnout. I mean, sitting eight to you know ten to twelve uh, uh, hours per day in front of the screen can really can really uh, affect us. But um, coming back to um, the entire thing happening right now, COVID, uh, how did this um, period was for Simbound? Did it help like get more clients? How was the dynamic happening for you? Because there was extreme demand for digital education. Uh, That's functions. right. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, let's, let's look at it from, you know, this, uh, this old saying, you know, this quote, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, right? So it started off as, as very, being very quiet. Everybody was like, uh, you know, trying to understand what was happening back in February, March and April. And then it sort of fizzled out, you know, because we were working alongside the, the university calendar year. So this is in at least in the Western Hemisphere, this is uh, uh, September to June, right? So then the, the so like the first part of the, the second part of, of last year, last academic year was really quiet. You know, I think people were under a lot of stress, you know, these uh, educational establishments were under a lot of stress trying to uh, provide safety, you know, uh, sort of safety uh, measures, mechanisms, yeah, yeah measures for, for their students. And EdTech, at least in their case, was probably one of the last things they uh, they thought about. Of course, they had, yeah, of course, they had stuff like uh, collaboration and chat and video tools, you know, to, to keep in touch with the students. But yeah, that could be classified as EdTech. I think EdTech has a lot of uh, nuances, you know, as a word. Then what we saw happening is uh, before September, they realized that, it, you know, their school is not going to continue. It's not going to come back to what it was before. So people going into classes, some, some schools have done it. And I think it was a terrible mistake for, for them to do that. Um, then they realized, okay, we, we cannot have Zoom calls every day or, or just like these video calls every day. We need to give them some tools, some resources, you know, we need to give these to students in order for them to, to learn something, to be engaged. And this is when we actually saw more demand, you know, showing up. The thing is that we never planned for this uh, service, uh, you know, rise in service demand. So we were taken a bit by surprise. And now, right now we are working quite a lot, you know, supporting courses which have hundreds and hundreds of participants, uh, which, of course, being at a distance, they are harder to manage. 
you know, the, it's more of this asynchronous learning which is happening. So not everybody yeah. at the same time and in the same place. Uh, you know, many different settings. I mean, people are, are trying to uh, divide their responsibilities because they have su such a huge workload. You know, they're working with so many different platforms and so on. But they're trying to shift some of that, in some cases, even to us, back to us. And that's fine, you know. I mean, this is what we're in the business for. We're trying to support them until things get back to normal, which I hope, you know, will be the case at some point sooner rather than later. Um, so th there's a huge pressure right now on the service and on the app and what we're doing to deliver even at the same quality level as before. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really a good stress test for the industry and for every company which is now getting more customers, more clients of whether they can handle that or on whether they can, uh, you know, bring automatization yeah. In, into some of these processes yeah. and to try to, you know, make it a more efficient business overall, you know, make the model, the business model more efficient and also the products and the technologies more streamlined with what's happening in the market. Yeah. Um, right now, we, we are looking at, you know, two scenarios or maybe even more than two scenarios, but one scenario is when they will not come back to day-to-day, to -day, you know, courses and, and so like in real life courses. And we're actually investing into this uh, direction. We want to give them more tools. We want to, and I saw this is a trend in the market. A lot of, a lot of other tech companies are doing the same. Mm -hmm. And then there is another, let's say, uh, opportunity in the skies for us where things slowly get back to normal. And then, you know, we still have the infrastructure. We, we still have the product. It's just that we will probably need to readapt it again to suit this, uh, let's say, classic. I'm not going to say classic, but face-to-face, -face, you know, courses and meetings. So each one of them has, has different needs, you know. Of course, the, the product, the core product is going to be the same, but the way it talks to users, the way it, it's being used by users is going to be different. Yeah. So right now we, we're more sort of like invested in, in the first approach where things are not going to get back to normal anytime soon because we want to prepare for that and we feel that the pain is much bigger there as opposed to when everybody's sitting in a class and, you know, you can talk to one another. Uh, and we want to make sure that the clients get actually the best possible service from us, even in this kind of circumstances. Yeah. It's a very difficult job to do. It, it has high uh, resource requirements. And one of the biggest problems I see right now is that we don't, we're not really finding uh, very good people or, or a lot of very good people. We have very good people actually on the team. Some of the best, I think this is the best team we've, uh, we've ever had, but bringing on new people is a challenge because most of them, they're coming from other industries, you know, they're coming from whatever tourism or, uh, you know, these domains, which had, had suffered a huge blow because of yeah. the pandemic mm -hmm. and they don't have the digital skills. They don't understand how business works in the startup space or in the, in the technology space. And they, they're bringing their old ways of working into, into a new context, something which doesn't fly. Yeah. And this is a big challenge right now. How do we convert the skills of those people? How do we bring them on? To, to actually perform, you know, in a new role. Yeah, well, I, that's that's where I see the sweet spot of Simbound. I mean, uh, catering to that specific need uh, of, you know, doing these frameworks of learning for, um, you know, um, different levels of uh, education and preparedness, right? Um, and I believe, and I don't know if you have in the team, but I believe there's, you know, there's a need of, you know, psychologists learning and behavior profiling, and stuff like that in order to build these kind of simulation um, courses, right? Um, 
and going back to there's one thing that I wanted to touch on because you said that there's a there's a stress test on the companies if they're going to make it or not uh, with what they have already built but at the same time what I do believe is that there's a stress test for the universities as well from a mindset perspective I mean they will have to shift like there's no other way I mean they will have to shift and build like uh, uh, two new normals not only one like in person um, but it's going to be one in person and one online a digital one so they're going to have to adapt and I think that's the beauty of it I mean even Sunbound I don't know what a uh, what you're doing right now, but um, even Simbound, I mean, that's you. You will be able to adapt to in-person uh, yeah. direction, uh, and uh, a second will be like uh, a digital, fully digital. I think something that you already been doing. So, um, but kind of this leads to my final question, Luis, and um, I'm happy that we're talking about this uh, of, of what you're doing right now. Um, and my question is, what is next for Simbound? What are some some targets? What are some cool plans that you have laid out? Okay, so we we really want to build a, a core group of experts. This is, I think, uh, one of the the main objectives I have right now in regards to the company. I want to have, you know, I want to to be able to work with good people, you know, highly skilled people, which understand the the importance of the work that we're doing. I want to put Cluj on the map of innovation and I want Simbound to be known, not just for, <laughs> I can see your thumbs up. Uh, uh, I, I really want people to know about uh, us, not just as an educational company, but uh, you know, this, this breeding ground for innovation and for digital, uh, let's say uh, new products and, and new concepts. And we have everything that we need, you know, we have the, the, the people, we have the, the knowledge, the resources, we have the proximity of the markets, you know, which, you know, yep, we, exactly. we are close to. I don't think there is any excuse anymore for, for us not to build like a world-class company or let's say take it even a, a step further than what we already have. Yeah, because I think, I think we are world-class yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's only, only the, it's a matter of mindset. That's hmm. mindset and sometimes money. But yeah. Mindset. Yeah, I mean, we, we know what to look out for, you know, we, we know who our, who our friends are, let's say, who, who the people which uh, don't really enjoy Simbaon <laughs> uh, taking the spotlight. We just have to be careful that uh, we don't rattle up any, <laughs> you know, the, the wrong tree and we still find our way to, uh, to, to profitability and to, you know, market adoption. Uh, of course, at the end of the day, being an edtech business, we care a lot about impact and, and the way we are uh, perceived in the world. And I think on that aspect, there's a few other things which we can do and maybe get engaged a bit more with the local environment, try to support some, some local initiatives, you know, like uh, NGOs. So really, if you're, if you're into education or this kind, feel free to reach out to me. I would be more than happy to support any of your uh, projects if they align, of course, to our values and to, to the way things are doing, the way we are doing things. Uh, so yeah, overall, I want Simbound to be a, a, a much better company run by people which have the right skills and the right values, you know, the right code of conduct in them. And I think this is going to happen sooner or later. I mean, now it's very difficult because people are still, you know, maybe, I don't know, unsure of, of the path they want to take. But uh, this, this period is not going to last forever. So we really need to keep our heads up, all of us, you know, working in this industry or even yeah. other industries and look out for brighter days, right? Because they're not going to be far away. Yeah, and technology is a great enabler, right? 
if, if you're using technology the right way, it's going to enable a lot of good things for you and for, for the people who are using it. So let's use it as that. Let's use it for good, not for our own purpose or other, you know, goals. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I fully agree with that. Um, Louis, this was great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stefan. I think Simbound is um I think Simbound is on a on a on a super super successful path. Um and I believe like like I said before, um uh, somewhere uh, our mid uh, mid discussion, I believe that I mean the mindset that you have is totally different from what uh, I've seen in terms of the entrepreneurs building tech startups. So I think Simbound has a long way to go. So con congrats on what you built so far and uh, I wish you thank good success. You, thank you. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you for having us and good luck with, uh, with everything. Really appreciate your work, you know, getting out the message out and being there for local entrepreneurs. I think it's super important and we can never thank you enough for yeah. uh, doing this. Yeah, and that's why we do Tech Talk. We, we need a platform and a voice for people like you. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.